Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they often don't have the expertise to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge and relationships uh, from 32 years as a banker to identify the hurdles getting in the way and create a plan to deliver profitability they never thought possible. And we have two great guests on the show today, uh, Anthonia Berry. Anthonia, welcome. Thank you. And Dr. Carl Hayden. Carl, welcome to Profit Sense. Thank you. Anthonia, I'm going to start with you this morning. So uh, your expertise, of course, is in strategic business development. You had 17 years of success in the industry and you were able to help C-suite executives scale their businesses. I really want to talk about uh, your niche. So your business has a niche focus on attorneys, and in your experience, there's always a missing piece in their marketing. Could you share with our audience what that missing piece is? Absolutely. Um, The missing piece that I have found over the years um, in this particular niche that I focus on is the business development strategy piece. Um, Essentially, that is the blueprint of um, the business. Um, And it entails us determining what it is that we want to do and also identifying exactly who the business um, perhaps wants to be. Um, This blueprint lays out you know, the strategies that will help the business to push forward and to determine who their exact target audience is. So in formulating this business development strategy, this is going to essentially be the plan to propel forward, whether that's going to be through the launch or relaunch of a law firm, um, or perhaps it might be a sole practicing attorney who, who essentially wants to establish themselves in the legal industry. And so what I want to uh, uh, follow up on is for those in our audience um, that may not know what a business development strategy is, can you describe that for them? Absolutely. Um, So a business development strategy perhaps is, and and in layman terms, is going step by step in determining what you're going to do and how you're going to do it when you're launching and relaunching your business. For example, um, if I'm focusing and working with an individual who is a qualified attorney coming from a larger practice and wants to do, you know, a launch of their own um, firm, one of the first things that we're going to look at is defining what practice areas they want to focus on and then nailing down who that target audience is. What do they look like in terms of demographics? Like, where are they um, located um, in terms of geography? Um, what is the salary range that you're looking at? Just basically laying out the basic pieces that make up what your ideal client looks like. So we comb through all of that, and then we move to then working on 
what is your brand? What does it stand for? What does it mean? What do you want it to be? What do you want people to see it as when they see it? Meaning not just your logo, but what do you include in the content that you write? The content that's on your website, the um, different um, perhaps uh, magazines and um, online articles that you contribute to. What is the message that's being carried? So there's a, there's a series of uh, courses that I offer um, that allow attorneys to establish essentially what their practice is meant to look like step by step without them feeling overwhelmed and thinking that they're doing this gigantic plan that can never have an end. Well, that sounds really interesting. We're talking this morning with Antonia Berry. She's a legal business development strategist. After spending 16 years in corporate space as an executive, Antonia founded AntoniaBerry.com, where she offers her signature program, the Strategy Academy, offered exclusively to lawyers and law firms across the United States. And so getting into uh, talking specifically about business development and strategy, I'm sure there's a lot of do-it-yourselfers out there, Antonia, attorneys that prefer to do marketing themselves. What are their options to get started? Yes, there are two options. If you are a DIY type person, you kind of want to handle things on your own at your own pace. I offer a self-paced course online that walks attorneys through step-by-step what it's going to take to build out an entire business development strategy from start to finish. The alternative to that is doing one-on-one sessions with me. And that is me basically meeting with you um, and walking you through what you need to do and how you would find the information that you're looking for. Um, for the most part, I get a mix of, of both. It just kind of depends on the individual's, um, you know, their, their approach that they want to take. Um, and then we have some that just want to kind of do it on their own time and at their own pace. So just kind of depending on uh, the personality and the preference of the attorneys um, that are out there wanting to launch and relaunch their business. Um, those are the two options that are available um, for them to work with me. Well, that sounds really fascinating. And so talking about, uh, you know, the steps that an attorney might take, uh, let's say that they have their business development strategy in place. What's next? At that point, it's time to execute. And I say execute without delay. And that is because we are in a time when things are changing rapidly and a plan written today in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, sometimes even a couple of days is no longer relevant because the market's constantly changing. So as soon as a business development strategy has been ironed out, we know exactly what it is that we want to do and how we want to do it. It's time to go. It's time to implement all of the things that we have researched, we have looked at, we've pulled together, and we're going to go from there. One point that I have to make is that just because we've written the business development strategy as a plan, it doesn't mean that every single thing is going to follow what we've written. It means that we have a plan. It means that we are going to push forward with final goals and objectives that are in place and bearing in mind that along the way, we may switch things up. The market may change. Our clients might change. Our focus might change. But the plan being in place 
is the ultimate goal. And it's the thing that gives us that sign to hit go. And so once the plan is developed and then executing the plan is, is really what becomes critical. And so I would like uh, to talk a little bit further about the, the Strategy Academy, maybe as a follow-up. So it's comprised of a series of business development strategies used to launch and relaunch law firms. Uh, is there maybe a particular story uh, that you could share, maybe talking about how you've worked with an attorney recently? Absolutely. There's one particular attorney that I worked with in a firm that I worked for here in Atlanta. And when he came on board with that firm, he actually came on as an intern. So we built a a good working relationship and um, I left that firm before he did. A couple of years later, we reconnected and he had said, look, I'm starting my own firm. I know that you know how to launch a law firm. I've seen you do it. Can you help me? So we got to work right away. The first thing that I worked on with him was determining what practice areas we were going to focus on. He originally came to me and had a list of like 20. Right away, I said, "Uh uh-uh, we can't do that. Back up a little bit. We have to streamline these uh, practice areas. We have to nail down what are you good at and what is out there for us to grab as low-hanging fruit. So in that exercise, that first initial exercise, before we even got to drilling down to what the business development strategy strategy would essentially look like, we cut away all of the practice areas that were just wishes or perhaps um, practice areas that he wanted to at some point develop and then honed in on the top practice areas that he, one, was able to do quickly and um, had experience in. And then from there, we were able to build out his business development strategy start to finish. Um, He was super excited and very much motivated to work on this project with me. And I believe that because he was ready, just like other um, attorneys that I work with, because they're ready, because they're willing, and they want to see that end result, that eagerness is what brought him success, along with me applying the expertise that, you know, I've learned over the years of working with attorneys, developing firms, launching and relaunching. He understood that I was not there to hold his hand or to push him along the way. Instead, I was there to apply my expertise, my experience being brought to the table, my ability to research, read the market, connect with my peers, connect with other attorneys and understand what's going on in the market and then translate that to him. That then that, of course, brought him success because he was willing to listen. He was willing to engage and he was willing to follow my lead. Those things all kind of wrapped in together, made for a successful uh, launch for him. And he was able to then move forward with about six practice areas that he has now taken off and just ran with them. And to be honest with you, I have to schedule time two months in advance to get to speak to him because he's busy. And that comes from him nailing down what are my areas of focus? What am I good at? What can I do right now? And then having a long term plan of when he is going to, again, revisit the practice areas that he removed from his list um, when we first started working together. So I say that to say that success comes from those things, being engaged, willing to listen, willing to lead, to, to be led, willing to understand that, yes, you are an attorney and you do know a lot. However, you haven't studied the market like a business development strategist has. 
We have gone really, really deep um, into understanding the way that the market works. So while you are practicing law, while you're in court, while you're representing your clients, we were understanding the market that you're in, that we have information that you perhaps didn't realize exist. So success then came for that attorney because he was able to do those things and, and follow my lead. That is, that is a great story. So we're talking today with Antonia Berry, uh, Antonia's Strategy Academy. Each section of the academy will build the cornerstones of the foundation needed to build, launch, or relaunch a law practice and can be retrofitted to match any attorney that has a goal to generate business in a streamlined and strategic way. So, Antonia, if there's someone in our audience who might want to get started on their marketing with your firm, what are their options? Yes, you can visit my website. It's www.antoniaberry.com. If you visit the website, there's a tab there called Strategy Academy. If you click on that, that will lead you through all the courses that are available. Again, you can buy them as a bundle altogether, or you can buy them um, separately. Or if you wanted to book one-on-one sessions with me, that's available there as well. I have allowed um, my clients to have options, um, even an a la carte type approach, because not one one size fits all. And depending on where, where that attorney is at and where they want to be is going to determine which option they take. So, and of course, I'm very much open to um, clients and potential clients reaching out to me with other creative ways that we can work together. So sending me an email at hello at Antonia, and that's A-N-T-H-O-N-I-A, Berry, B-E-R-R-Y, like strawberry.com, are ways of which you can contact me. Well, Antonia, as as we both know, uh, the number one weakness in growing, whether it's a law firm or any firm, uh, it's marketing. And so the role that you play in helping attorneys uh, and their firms develop uh, uh, a strategic business plan for for business development is is absolutely critical. And so thanks for sharing your wisdom and your insights on our show today. Sure. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And so now we're going to uh, move on and talk with Dr. Carl Hayden. Uh, Dr. Hayden's with the Academy for Advancing Leadership. Carl, so glad to have you on the show today. And I I just want to jump in. Uh, Every entrepreneur uh, has a different journey. And so taking you back to the, to the very start, which I know is, uh, is coming up uh, 17, 18 years ago, uh, but what was the inspiration for starting your business, the Academy for Advancing Leadership? Well, thank you, Bill, and it's great to be here. Um, well, it, it was a journey and not always an inspiring journey. Uh, When I was finishing grad school, spent a lot of time in school. When I was finishing grad school, I decided that I wanted to pursue an alternative career out of teaching and research in a university or a college. And so I started a business uh, focused primarily in training and development. Um, After two years, I failed. I could not make it work. And I've, I've gone back. I've looked at the products that I produced during that time. There's nothing wrong with the products. They were actually, what I was doing was actually, was actually very good, Uh, but I didn't have connections and I didn't have credibility. So I answered a, I answered an ad in a newspaper and that led to my working with a consulting group that focused primarily in higher education. 
one of my clients hired me and I moved to Washington, D.C. for seven years and I worked in the association world. And if you know anything about the association world, that's all about connections. And so in 2000, uh, 2005, it was just time to do something different. So uh, what was the inspiration? Well, I, I uh, was motivated, like most entrepreneurs, uh, to, to the challenge of being my own boss and starting my own thing. And I thought after spending this, these, these intervening years between the failure and 2005, I had learned a lot. I learned a lot about uh, developing people. I learned about, a lot about consulting. And the other thing that happened in those intervening years is I had an enormous network. So uh, when I started in 2005, I had cash flow from the day I opened the business. So uh, the inspiration for me was, again, the, the typical entrepreneur's uh, inspiration to, to do something that um, allows you to, to, to be independent, to um, bring your own creativity to a venture. Uh, but in particular, I worked then and I work now in higher education. So I love to learn. And so what I do allows me to learn all the time. Uh, I, and I'm working with people who've devoted their lives to learning. So I feel very fortunate in that. And we, the, we are the Academy for Advancing Leadership. And, and one of the things that uh, I've, I've always said and I believe is that, that learners are leaders, and leaders are learners. Yeah, uh, and I love I love that saying. Uh, this morning we're talking to Dr. Car- Dr. Carl Hayden, who's president and CEO of Academy for Advancing Leadership. Uh, they've worked with more than two hundred U.S. and international higher education institutions, associations, and businesses through AAL's professional develop professional development programs and consulting services. And so I know the Academy for Advancing Leadership's model is character-based leadership. And if I'm not mistaken, you've written two books on this. Could you share a little bit about uh, the education, character-based leadership, and also a little bit about your books? Sure, sure. So, so Bill, if I were to ask you to describe the best leaders that, that you know, um, or leaders that you admire, you would you would probably use terms like trustworthy, uh, courageous, humble, fair, just. Um, this there's been a lot of research around this. I used to ask this question in programs that we do in professional development. These terms come up over and over again. Uh, I have never had someone say that they want a leader that's greedy, that's selfish, um, that um, that's unfair or unjust. Right. Uh, but what we're talking about here is character. Okay, we're talking about in the in the case of things like trustworthiness and courage. These are character strengths. And to to use uh, to use an ancient term, um, virtues. So when we talk about an AAL character based leadership, uh, we're we're actually borrowing a concept from the philosopher Aristotle. And Aristotle talks about these character strengths in terms of virtues. Um, so, you know, probably uh, it's been eight or nine years ago, one of my colleagues, uh, Rob Jenkins, approached me and he said, Carl, you need you need a book about AAL's approach to leadership development. And I'm going to credit Rob, who's a, he's a professor at Georgia State University, and he's also a senior fellow with AAL. I'm going to credit him for the impetus 
to develop a couple of books. Uh, in 2015, we, we published a book entitled The Nine Virtues of Exceptional Leaders. And then in 2020, we published another, another little book entitled 31 Days with the Virtues. So in, in those two books, we describe the character strengths that we think define exceptional leaders. And Bill, I, I just say, because I, when you think about character-based leadership, this can be a, a bit amorphous or ambiguous, uh, but I would just say we, we, we see this all the time. Um, if you think about uh, if you think about political campaigns, how often do the candidates depart from the issues and talk about the character of the other candidate? Uh, if you if you look at business, uh, let me take a negative, a couple of negative examples uh, where I think about the character of the leader and the character of the organization. If if you look at uh, Thurano and and Elizabeth Holmes and what happened there, or if you look at uh, Purdue Pharma and what happened there, you can see like the 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 the, the vice side of 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 the equation, right? These are these are situations where greed got in the way. Um, there are corporations called B corporations. Uh, you can look this up. Just Google B corporations that have as a part of their mission social responsibility, uh, commitment to the community. Uh, expressing these character strengths through the organization. And, and, I, and I think, uh, Bill, I think we see uh, virtuous leadership, a character-based leadership playing out right now on the world stage uh, with what, what's happening in Ukraine. So when I think about those people under the leadership of President Zelensky, uh, and I think about the courage they're showing and the perseverance they're showing and the hope that they're showing, uh, to me, that that is the essence of character-based leadership. Couldn't agree with you more. And certainly we do see uh, uh, that being played out on, on the stage. And, and, and I credit uh, uh, Mr. Zelensky's courage and uh, uh, everything that is going on there. So I know when we've talked you shared with me that character-based leadership is really about the four C's, uh, connections, competencies, character, and context. Could you unpack those a little bit for us? Sure. Well, well we've, we've already talked about character, and let me just, let me just summarize character by uh, quoting another, another Greek philosopher, Zeno, who started the Stoic School of Philosophy. Uh, he says that that character is is the wellspring of what we do. He, he said it's the fountain from which our actions flow. Um, so when I think about character, I think of that as as core to leadership. Um, the the second C is connections. So and what I mean by connections is not simply that somebody is well connected. I'm I'm talking about relationships there um, because leadership is about relationships. Leadership's about motivating people, um, mobilizing people, accomplishing people, accomplishing things through others. And that takes connections, that takes relationships. Uh, the, third, the third C is competencies. So I would say, um, if, as you're thinking about these four Cs, like character alone is not enough to make someone an exceptional leader. Having good connections and good relationships and a network is not enough to make someone an exceptional leader. You really do need to know how to do some things, right? So if you're going to be an entrepreneur and, a, and run a business, uh, you need hard skills like how to, how to manage finance and a budget. You need people skills like how to communicate, how to, how to, how to motivate, how to uh, handle conflict and negotiate. 
fortunately, all these things we, we can learn. Um, but these are these are necessary uh, conditions, but not not any one of the C's is like a sufficient condition to be an exceptional leader. You need all of them. And then the fourth C is context. And context, I'm just going to say, sort of flows two ways. You can see it in two different ways. Um, so the first way you can see it is, is the environment. So the environment in which a leader leads uh, shapes that leader and how that leader leads. So, for example, uh, leading in an upstart is, is very different from leading in a, in a well-established company. Um, we do a lot of work in higher education. A higher education context or environment is very different from the environment of a Fortune 500 company, much more democratic, for example. Um, so, so there are nuances to how you express leadership competencies, depending on the context or what I'm using synonymously, the, the environment. Uh, the, the other important thing about context is that leaders shape context. Okay, so it's it's uh, it's important for uh, a leader uh, to come into an environment and think about how can they impact that in environment? What's their responsibility to shape, to influence and to change that context or environment for the better? We're talking today with Dr. Carl Hayden with the Academy for Advancing Leadership. Launched in 2005, the Academy for Advancing Leadership is a consulting firm working primarily with institutions in health and higher education. Um, context was the fourth C you just mentioned, Carl. And leadership is not really about the leader. It's about the followers. Can you go a little deeper on context? Sure. So I think leaders, uh, it, at least what we call character-based leaders are virtuous leaders. Not all leaders do this, but but virtuous leaders create environments where people can thrive, where they can flourish. So that's a unique approach um, to character-based leadership and uh, and and virtuous leadership. And it's about helping the people that that work in the organization thrive and flourish, but also about the communities and the societies to which they belong. So um, that that idea of flourishing uh, means that you create environments where people can actualize their potential. Uh, you create environments where people can make unique contributions. You create an environment where people have a, have a purpose that, that transcends them, uh, something that they can really give their, their, their attention to. And you even create a, an environment where people can experience happiness. Now, um, let me just let me just pause parenthetically here and say, that, now, a leader can't possibly guarantee that everybody that works for them is going to be happy. They can't sure. possibly guarantee that everyone that, that, that works for them is going to is going to be creative and actualize their potential. But the, the virtuous leader's responsibility is to create an environment where that can happen. Um, and, and there are a lot of organizations that exhibit this. Uh, it's not unusual for somebody to come to me and say, well, so-and-so is a leader, and I don't think they're particularly virtuous, and I don't think they have a particularly great character strength. And I will say to them, yes, that's a form of leadership, um, but leadership, virtuous leadership, character-based leadership is a choice. And it's a choice that one makes because you believe that, that, that profit is a means to an end. It's not the end itself. 
So um, I, I, I think that when I when I say that, I, I intentionally am taking on what uh, the the economist Milton Friedman said about the purpose of a corporation. He said the purpose of a corporation is to maximize stockholder profit. Uh, I don't think that is the case, although I think probably most corporations exist for that. Um, but if you're a virtuous leader, character-based leader, uh, profit is is um, is the means to an end. Profit is vital. You can't stay in business if you don't have profit. If you don't have profit, you can't create an environment where people can flourish. Um, but um, it's it's the means that the company uses to 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 create that environment for that larger purpose of human flourishing and those that are employed by the by the organization, uh, but also more broadly the community and the society to which it belongs. Yeah, just an absolutely critical piece. Uh, so I want to shift the discussion to burnout. Uh, is leadership burnout a big issue among leaders today? And if it is, why do you suppose that is? Well, I, I think it, I think it is a big issue, uh, and to me, this sort of relates to the question one that I've I've uh, I've been interested in for most of my adult life uh, about life balance. Um, and, and frankly, Bill, it's interesting to me, interesting question to me, because I have struggled mightily with it. Um, is burnout a big issue today? I think it's especially a big issue today because, um, because of what we've been through the last couple of years. I mean, there's a, there are a lot of studies uh, that substantiate this in different professions. Uh, but if you think about what we've experienced over the last couple of years, I mean, COVID-19 changed the way we work. Um, and I don't know about you, but I'm working longer hours than I did before COVID-19. And that's after cutting days and days of travel out of my schedule. I'm still working longer hours. Uh, and if you look at the issues over the last couple of years of racism and social injustice, uh, they've required us to ask fundamental questions about the values of our society and our personal values. And then political and geo, geopolitical unrest uh, also assaults our feelings of safety and security. Uh, so I think uh, particularly right now, a lot of people are feeling stressed and just exhausted from everything that they've been through. Um, now, you know, how do you, how do you avoid or address burnout? Um, I mean, again, I think this is a this is a hard question. And I think that the answer to that question is to some extent person relative, uh, you know, relates to, to, to the individual and how that person is experiencing burnout. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid, uh, I'll mention them, I'm just going to avoid uh, digging into the usual advice like exercise, uh, eating right, getting six to eight hours of sleep, um, avoiding abuse of alcohol and other substances to cope, you know, maladaptive behaviors. Um, but, but, you know, as I thought through this and, I, as, and I've thought through this in my own personal life, but also just a little research on this topic, because it has interested me for so long, I, I'll just share three ideas with you. Um, so uh, several days ago, and so the first idea I'm just going to say is manage your expectations, okay? manage your expectations. Several days ago, I saw a chart and it was a chart about uh, the most lucrative careers, and it sort of had the, the careers rank ordered. And right at the top was, uh, was business owner. Now, all of these careers that were rank ordered had juxtaposed to the career, had the average salary. But juxtaposed to business owner 
instead of a number, it had unlimited. Now, um, while while uh, this is a this is a point for for business owners, I think it, it applies to other people as well. But but unlimited by definition does not have an endpoint, right? Okay, and and um, and I I often, for example, work with medical students and and dental students in leadership programs, and they're in health professions where they stand to make a lot of money. And and I say to them, look, those who aspire to great wealth are likely to be disappointed. I mean, they're going to make a good living, but there are so many variables that come into play for people that are super successful. So um, I think that part of the answer to burnout in terms of managing expectations, if you, if you can think about it this way, I think burnout often happens between reality and the ideal, okay? between reality and the ideal. That gap is where burnout often happens. And so I would encourage entrepreneurs or anyone who's, who's struggling with burnout relative to uh, their careers to ask this question, how much is enough? How much yeah. is enough? How much is enough to live a life that includes other aspects beyond work that make for a meaningful life? Um, because you unlimited is exactly what it says. You will you will never reach unlimited. So I think that's one source of burnout. It's not having the right expectations. Uh, the the other the other um, second point of advice I would just say is, is get perspective. Uh, and part of doing that is prioritizing time to reflect. Um, leaders are learners, right? And what and whether it's uh, about your business or your life, if you don't take time to reflect on your experience, you can't learn. You just can't. And and for me, uh, that time's 5.30 in the morning to 6.30. That's, the, that's my best time. I'd have to have my morning coffee if I'm doing it at that time. <laughs> well, I do. I usually, have, I usually have coffee when I'm, when I'm during this reflection time. And, and uh, I would suggest that you bring some tools with you uh, during this time. I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of journaling. I think journaling is a great way for you to get perspective and to sort of understand and orient yourself. Uh, I will often read something in the morning and read something that's, that I sometimes describe it as much bigger than I am. So for, for years, I've, I've read Stoic philosophy. So in the morning, some of my companions have been Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, uh, Epictetus, the slave who became a philosopher. Uh, I have I've gathered great wisdom and insight to help me get perspective and orientation um, in this my quiet time, my reflection time. So, um, you know, first of all, manage your expectations. Uh, secondly, get perspective. And then the, the third piece of advice uh, I, I would offer relates right back to a character strength um, and that character strength or that virtue's perseverance. Uh, there is a lot of talk about life balance, and this is just my personal opinion, but I think science backs us up. There, there's no such thing as balance. There, there will never be balance. I mean, the, from a biological standpoint, we're in disequilibrium, moving toward equilibrium. Change is the one constant that, that is a thread through everything. So balance, um, if you, it depends on what you mean by that, but I think what most people have in terms of an ideal of balance is, is a myth. 
However, however, I would say that it is a very useful metaphor and it's an important metaphor. And the reason for that is because it forces us to ask the right questions. It forces us to ask questions about our priorities in life. So if you're, if you're asking about, am I in balance? You are, at, or if you're feeling imbalanced, what that does is it signifies something about your priorities, and it and it should force you to ask a question about how you're spending the limited time that you have. So, so my final piece of advice is is during that reflection time and and other times, you ask the question about balance, assess where you are and the adjustments you need to make uh, to give more time to the priorities in your life. And persevere. Uh, for entrepreneurs, I say you got to bring you got to bring the same commitment and the same perseverance to achieving balance in your life as you bring to launching and keeping that business going. Uh, you really have to attend to your flourishing across the the various aspects of your life, um, and and that's not easy. Uh, so you have to keep at it. You have to persevere. Great wisdom from Dr. Carl Hayden with the Academy for Advancing Leadership. Uh, Carl, if someone wants to get in touch with uh, you or the firm, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, our website is algroup.org. And if someone wants to write to me directly, they're certainly welcome to do so. That My, my uh, email address is khayden, that's H-A-D-E-N, at aalgroup.org. So Kay Hayden at aalgroup.org. Carl, it's been great having you on the show, sh sharing some thoughts on character-based leadership, uh, as well as a great prescription for avoid avoiding burnout. So thanks so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, I want to close with some thoughts. Uh, recently, I had the experience of working with uh, four employees that were about to buy a business. And one of the things that I shared with them, which actually surprised them, I said, look, uh, you're going from being employees to now becoming owners. Uh, accounting is the language of business. And so you need to not only speak accounting, uh, but also be fluent. And I've found that there are many business owners who aren't fluent in the language of accounting and their business is suffering because of it. Uh, these four owners were buying a business that has almost $30 million in revenue. So it's like learning a new language. Uh, you have to take classes uh, or you can hire a coach. Uh, but just, you know, to become fluent uh, and uh, uh, be better at understanding accounting is the language of business, uh, you can uh, uh, either hire a coach or take classes. But the important thing is learn the language. Uh, if you're not fluent in accounting, uh, you your business can suffer for it. If you want to keep up with the latest in pro-business news, follow us on social media for the latest stories. If you want to listen to future ProfitSense podcasts, you can find us on ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is ProfitSense with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.